Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Ben Hogan Golf, Two Under, Taylor Made Golf, and Golf Pride. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining me on Next on the Tee. I hope you and yours are safe and well. I'm grateful that you're here with me again tonight. And hey, we actually had some live golf on Sunday. It was great to see Rory, DJ, Ricky, and Matthew Wolf out there. It was also fun hearing them mic'd up and all of their comments. Really looking forward to more live golf, hopefully very, very soon. I've also been looking forward to tonight's show because we get to spend some time with Owen Brown, Debbie O'Connell, Dr. Joe Parent, and my long-lost cousin, John Mascari. You guys know what a favorite of the show that Owen Brown is. He's a great guy, a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to getting his thoughts on Sunday's Skins game, in particular, what he thought of the guys wearing shorts out there, and if maybe we're inching closer to a time when players can wear shorts out on tour. Remember, the rule was changed, I think it was last year, allowing them to wear shorts during practice rounds and pro-ams. Maybe the time has come to let them do it, at least during the summer, and tournament rounds as well. We'll discuss that and a whole lot more when Owen joins me in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll get a return visit from another one of my all-time favorites, and that's Debbie O'Connell. Debbie is a top 50 LPGA instructor. She is also the founder of Golf Positive. One of the themes of tonight's show, folks, is going to be mental approach and staying positive out on the course and how not to let a round get away from us if we've had a bad hole or two. Debbie's got a couple of programs going on right now that you can be a part of. Go check those out online. Her website is golfpositive.com. She'll join me at the bottom of the hour. Following her, I'll be joined by Dr. Joe Parent. Doc is a life coach, a performance coach, a sports psychologist on the PGA and LPGA tours, and an author. Among his books, and I'm sure you remember these, Zen Golf, Zen Putting, and How to Make Every Putt. He's got a new book out about mindfulness. We'll talk about all of that when he joins me about 45 minutes from now. And then, like I say, I'll round out tonight's show with a return visit from long-lost cousin John Mascari. As we theorized for years, our grandfathers got off the boat from Italy at Ellis Island, and the people there put an O on the end of my last name and an I on the end of his, and it kept us apart. But we found each other, and it's been great ever since. John is a PGA professional in New Jersey at Alpine Country Club. Now, folks, I got to tell you, you go check him out on Twitter at John Mascari PGA. And if you don't know how to spell our name, M-A-S-C-A-R-I for John, O for me, I for John, John Mascari PGA. And look at his video from April 4th, Lessons from John's Backyard. It's fantastic. We're going to talk about that. Well, plus, I'll get you some more playing tips as well when John joins me at the top of the next hour. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the T. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Want to start out by saying hello to my good friends Mitch and Matthew Lawrence. Also want to remind you about their great golf shows. 
Mitch's podcast is called Talking Golf Getaways, which you can stream online at GolfTripX.com. It's also available on Audioboom, Stitcher, and Player.fm. He and his co-host Darren Bunch, they take you around the U.S. and Canada to some of the great places that you can go stay and play. They also let you know about some of the hidden gem courses that you might not be aware of. Go online to Golf Trip X, and that's a letter X, so Golf Trip X, and check out their podcast. Matthew's show is fantastic. It's called Backspin Golf. It's my regular Sunday morning, 8.03 a.m. Eastern Tea Time. You can stream the show live by going online to WLXG.com or download the WLXG app. Features our good friend Perry French in the first segment every week. So a lot of great tips and content there for you right at the top of the show. Matthew also has an array of wonderful guests, and he's a fantastic friend and a great host. Check out the show. Again, it's called Backspin Golf on ESPN Radio, WLXG, and WLXG.com. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade Sim, featuring the Sim Driver, designed with a radical new head shape to make the driver both fast and forgiving where you need it most on the downswing. Sim irons with an improved speed bridge and echo dampening system to deliver a distance iron with forge-like feel. The Sim fairway woods with low CG to help you hit it higher and a V-steel sole to launch it even easier out of any lie. Go get fit for Sim throughout the entire bag and experience the effect it's going to have on your entire game. Check it out online at taylormadegolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim family. All right, now back in making his eighth appearance with me is Owen Brown. Let me remind you about Owen's background. He's from Washington, D.C., played his college golf at Occidental College out in L.A. He joined the golf team as a sophomore and gradually worked his way up to being the number one player on the team. He was named a first-team all-conference, all-SCIAC golfer in 1980 and 1982. He was inducted into the Golf Hall of Fame in 1997. And the Golf Annual MVP Award is now named in his honor. He turned pro in 1984. He won four times on what was then the Nike Tour, now the Corn Ferry Tour. He won twice in 1991, once in 93, and once in 96. He's won three times on the regular tour at the 1998 Greater Hartford Open, which is now the Travelers Championship. Owen won that tournament by chipping in from 40 feet to defeat Stuart Sink and Larry Mize in a playoff. He also won the 1999 Colonial and the 2005 Deutsche Bank Championship. In 2005, he was named the PGA Tour Comeback Player of the Year. Over the course of his playing career, he's had five wins, 48 top 10 finishes, and 110 top 25s. Included in those five wins are two so far on the Champions Tour, including the 2011 U.S. Senior Open and the 2015 Greater Gwinnett Championship here in Atlanta. Nearly won the Chubb Classic last year. Rooting hard for him every week and looking forward to seeing him back out on the Champions Tour and thrilled to have him with me tonight on Next on the Tee. Hey, Olin, how are you, my friend? God dang it, Chris. After that intro, everything else is going to be a letdown. What are you do when Tiger Woods comes on the show? I mean, you get dedicate like two weeks worth of his resume, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I got to cut that one way back. Yeah. But uh, hey, it's long, like a long and illustrious career, going, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You doing all right? How are you? I'm doing okay, man. I'm bouncing off the walls here at home, getting ready to go back to work, though. Looking forward to it. I think, uh, and these are hard times for everybody. It's just tough for people who are used to being active and getting out and about. Man, it's just it's just a tough go. What's the, what have you been doing? How have you been spending your time during lockdown? 
I'm going to have to buy a new seat uh, cushion for my for my uh, couch because it's got two <laughs> butt cheek indentations in it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting out every day. Uh, my wife and I go for walks every day. We take our dog and, you know, go, go over to the beach. They didn't close the beach where we live, so we spent some time over there. And I haven't honestly uh, played any golf since the last round at, at – uh, Newport Beach Country Club in March. So um, uh, I've been preserving my body. <laughs> so they wear it out before I go back on the road here for the rest of the year. <laughs> so when are you going to get back out on the, the practice tee at least and, and you know, try to shake off the rust and get yourself ready? Actually, I'm going to kick it into gear here this week. Uh, we go back to Colonial in three weeks if we if we're still on for it. And uh, I have been there since 2014, and I just love that place. And uh, really, it's nice to have an open week. It's always opposite our senior PGA, which is a tough event to, to pass on. And uh, and so I'm going I'm to go back there and um, really, really looking forward to it. So for for you, when you get back out there, how is COVID-19 going to change things? Is it going to change things for you? Is it going to? make you think about, you know, interacting with fans or all the people, the volunteers and the, the folks at tournaments, is, is it going to change your approach at all? Well, as you know, the PGA tour has taken a pretty proactive um, approach on this. And for at least the first four events, there aren't going to be any fans planned, uh, which means that they're going to be less volunteers, fewer volunteers. They, they won't be needed to, you know, to uh, to herd the masses around the course and to to help you know administer the event. So, I think that the the numbers of people on site will be greatly reduced. Now, having said that, um, you know the fans are the reason that we play. So it's going to be kind of a strange feeling to be out there. Uh, and I, I don't think anybody really knows what to expect. And I think I think you know after what we saw last. Sunday, you know, everybody's champing at the bit to get back and we, we want some, we want to, we want to get back to work. We want to get back to entertaining our fans. We want to get back to playing and doing the things that we love to do. And so I think that, you know, the first week is certainly going to be, um, you know, like the bellwether and we'll see where it goes after that. But uh, I'm excited for the opportunity. I can't wait to go back at it. And I think a lot of other guys are feeling the same way. And you mentioned it being sort of strange when you get back out there. I mean, Birdie putts that fall, ego putts that fall, uh, a close race, you know, in a, in a four, in a final round, and nobody there to to cheer or anything. That's that's got to be kind of eerie, you know. That sort of a golf tournament broke out, but nobody came. How how is that going to feel when you know, from from a pressure perspective, from an excitement perspective, it's got to be odd. Well, I think the excitement will be. Um diminished i think the pressure perspective will still be there i mean everybody's going to know exactly what, what's at stake and and what's being played for but you know the the fact that uh that the fans are there you know adds electricity to what's going on and i think it's going to be maybe a little bit maybe somber is the wrong word but something along those lines it's going to be less than uh it's going to be less than energetic and we're just going to have to see how that goes Talking about uh, this past Sunday with the Skins game, wanted to get your thoughts about that. What did you think about what we saw from Rory, DJ, Ricky, and, and Matt Wolf? What did you think about the play? Well, I thought, look, I thought that, uh, you know, 
the guys weren't as sharp as they'd want to be. But, you know, um, th- there's there's not just a physical component to it, you know, with the practice and all that, but there's an emotional, mental commitment to being ready to play. And with all this downtime and all this question about if and when we're going to come back, I think guys have rightly taken some time away and, you know, tried to cool cool their jets, maybe relax mentally so that, you know, because when we come back, it's going to be a big push and, there's not going to be any time off. There's going to be a condensed season and guys are going to be pushing the limits a little bit more. So I don't think we saw their best golf. We certainly saw a lot of quality golf, but you know, it was, it was relatively inconsistent. And having said that, you know, I think a lot of people were really excited about the opportunity to tune in and see a great old golf course like Seminole on TV. And, uh, and it was great to have those four guys look, they're all legitimate stars and great players. And I just, uh, I tuned in. I watched every minute of it and I enjoyed it. Speaking of Seminole, have you ever played there? I played there a few times. Yep. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Talk, you know, cause the course, I mean, this is our first opportunity by our, I mean, the, the viewers and fans of the game, our first real opportunity to get, uh, get a glimpse of what that course looks like. It looks fantastic from what I saw on television. Talk about what it's like being out there and playing it. Well, you know, it's it's prime real estate. And you know what the the three L's in real estate are location, location, location. It abuts the Atlantic Ocean. Um, it, it's got, it, it didn't show the elevation changes on TV like it is. There's a, there's a sand dune that runs through the north side of the golf course. And they're really only, I mean, it was reading some of the comments on Twitter. There, everybody was saying, "Wow, it's just a flat Florida course." Well, in fact, there are only five holes that are flat. The rest of them are along the hillside or up, up, up hill or downhill. And uh, you know, it plays according to the wind. Now, it, it they've done a lot of work on it in the last uh, four or five years. I know that uh, Ben Crenshaw uh, and his partner, uh, Mr. Core, have come out there and and. Um, kind of tried to restore Seminole uh, to its past glory. And I think he's done a tremendous job. I thought it presented beautifully on TV, and I thought the guys put on a good show. So part of what we saw there, the golf course aside, were four guys playing golf in shorts. When are we going to get to see more of that? I know the, the uh, some of the rules have changed to let you guys do that in, in practice rounds or pro-ams. Are are we inching our way there, Owen, where at least in the summertime you guys might be able to wear shorts? You, you have to believe that it's headed that direction eventually. And, and certainly the commentary, by and large, is tremendously positive about, you know, look, the argument has been for a long time that, you know, golfers in slacks are more professional than golfers wearing shorts. Well, I don't know, man. It's hot as heck in the summertime in a lot of places, and it causes people a lot of trouble. Um, look, at, I think people want golf to take a more relaxed approach. Historically, it's been a little bit stayed, and we're trying to appeal to a broader audience. I don't see any harm in going to shorts whenever the players feel like doing The caddies have been doing it for a number of years. I don't think anybody looks at the caddies and say they can't caddy anymore because they're wearing shorts. So, you know, we just have to be a little patient and see see what the triggers are that uh, that get the tour to go to shorts whenever the players feel the need. Well, I don't want to switch gears a little bit. We learned last week that the USGA is, is canceling qualifying for the U S open. Um, your thoughts on, on the, uh, on the, on that ruling and, 
some of the players that would typically get an opportunity that you know may never have another opportunity to play in the U.S. Open that can typically go out there, qualify, and get themselves in the field. They may not get that opportunity this year. What are your thoughts around that? Well, I mean, the first thing that you would say is, well, you know, that's really too bad. The second thing you have to say is, look, they're trying to do the best job that they can with given the situation. I mean, they, not only did they cancel qualifying, but they canceled the bulk of their championship season. Uh, we lost the senior open. The women lost their senior open. You know, a bunch of their amateur tournaments. They're holding basically, I think it's four of, you know, their biggest events, which are the, the, the men's and women's opens and the men's and women's amateurs. And the, and the rest of it is a casualty of the times. And really, it's really sad. It's really unfortunate because, you know, golf has a lot of constituencies. You know, it's not just it's not just those four groups, but everybody looks towards the USGA. You know, they're they're in the leadership capacity in golf, and perhaps they feel like they're taking the appropriate um, approach on this. Uh, but I, I I would have sure loved to have seen them make a uh, a bigger effort to include the rest of their championships now it's very difficult to, to conduct 13 or whatever championships they do in such an abbreviated time. So I can appreciate that, that problem. Um, and then I, I think, I think that going to, uh, you know, whatever categories that they're going to, to fill the fields, uh, is an effort to minimize, um, a lot of the issues that are related to this entire situation. And, uh, I think, I think, in all likelihood, it's a one-off. I mean, unless the world's coming to an end, which is, you know, hey, at some point that's going to happen, but hopefully it's not anytime soon. Um, I think that everybody's doing the very best that they can, and the USJ has, has taken this on as well as they can, and, and uh, hopefully this is just one of those kinds of years where we look back and say, man, we got through that, and we're back to normal uh, the next time around, next cycle. And Owen, speaking of qualifying for a U.S. Open, you once shot 59 when you were qualifying back in 2005 at Woodmont Country Club up in Rockville, Maryland. Finished birdie, eagle, eagle. Take us through what it's like to shoot 59. Well, Chris, I don't know if I've told this story to you uh, before, but I mean, I didn't know I shot 59. I thought I'd shot 58. Um, cause I couldn't do the math during the course of the round. And I kept adding up my score going, that's 59. No, man, I shot 58. And it just wasn't right. You know, I just lost track. I was making so many birdies and I finished Eagle Eagle. I just couldn't add it up at the end of the day. But, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the qualifying thing. And then, and then my 59 and qualifying for the U S open, I was talking to Doug Ferguson, another uh, media guy earlier today. And we think, uh, he told me, we think that Michael Campbell, qualified for the U.S. Open, and I was paired with him on Sunday when he won at Pinehurst. So speaking to your point about guys who aren't uh, able to now qualify for the event, uh, you know, there's there's an example with Michael Campbell having qualified vis-a-vis the European Tour or Australian Tour, whichever it was, I'm not sure, and then going out and winning the tournament, that's not going to happen this year. Right. Yeah, I think Steve Jones did the same. Um, I'd have to go back and look that up, but yeah, I think there was a couple of guys that have qualified and gone through and won. Um, but to your, to your round of 59, you thought you shot 58, you end up shooting 59 still. That's a, that's a heck of a day. Did, did it 
it all start to become a burden or something on your mind a lot. Well, a lot of the things we're going to talk about on tonight's show is the mental side of the game. But did that ever start to creep in that, especially when you when you made Eagle on 17, that, you know what, I, I could actually do this here? Well, but by the time I'd made Eagle on 17, I knew that I was going to be good enough to, I shot 73 in the morning round. And it was a, it was one of those kind of things where I hit 17 greens and I, the one green that I missed, I didn't get up and down. I had a three putt, you know, and I made one birdie and I was just bent and I was on the verge of, of withdrawing. And, and so I signed my scorecard and I'm throwing a fit. You know, I look, it's 103 degrees or whatever it was. My caddy was half, half you know, lagging the whole day long. And I looked at the uh, score and, or the, the guys want us, you know, at the scoring table. And I go, what's the right way to withdraw so you get, don't get in trouble? So well, you tell us, and then we tell them, and then you withdraw. So I said to him, I go, you know what? I'm going I'm to have lunch. I'm going to think about it. And, we'll, you know, I'll make my decision. But I was pretty much done. Uh, you know, uh, playing congressional later that week, and I wanted to be – it's Washington, D.C. It's my hometown. It's really hot. I didn't want to be fried out. I, I was already half-bent from playing poorly in the – or shooting a poor score in the morning and uh and so i went and had lunch and i'm sitting there with a buddy of mine and my caddy and i, I start talking about what i was doing and I, you know i think i'm gonna bail and you know, it's 2005 my son is he's 16 years old my daughter is 13 years old you know i tell them things like you know look it's not always going to go your way things aren't always easy you know when when things aren't going your way that doesn't mean you just pick up your, your toys and you move on to the next level or next place and you got to hang in there. You got to, you got to show up. You got to put up, you got to, you got to deal with it. And I, and I look at my caddy and I go, you know what? I, I thought I was going to withdraw, but I'm not sure that I can face my kids and tell them that they can never give up if I, if I walk away now. And he looked at me and to his credit, he said, you know, what? Oh, you're right. And uh, so I said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll play, we'll play nine holes. And if I'm out of it, then, then I'm out of it. And it doesn't matter. And then we're done. And he said, okay, well, I shot 30 on that nine. And we made the turn. I looked at I looked at old Bucket. I said, "We can't quit now, can we?" He says, "Nope, we got to keep going." <laughs> and uh, I birdied a couple holes to start the back nine. And then I had a little lull, but then I finished. Like you said, I finished birdie, eagle, eagle, and, and shot twenty nine. And you know, it was a it, look. It's a sports psychologist uh, dream, right? Is to have a round like that because I was lost in what I was doing. I had no idea what what score I was shooting, and uh, how well I was playing, and how and how easy it was you know and it was such it was such a uh, kind of like a 180 from the morning round where i where i played really nice golf and got absolutely nothing out of the round and it, you know it's one of the reasons that the great players succeed you know like tiger like tom watson like jack nicholas like phil like all these guys who are elite players is that you know what they never give into the game now the game isn't always going to give you what you want it's not going to give you always what you earn but you got to show up. You got to you got to go through the motion. You got to you got to make your best effort. And uh, when you do, all of a sudden things like that really do happen. And you know, I had no idea really at the time how important that was. You know, first of all, fifty nine. Okay, the fifty nine didn't mean that much. What meant something to me was that I qualified for the U.S. Open. I wasn't exempt at that point. By the way, I was playing on a 126 to 150 category. I was 126 or 7 that year. I can't remember. I was getting into a lot of tournaments, but it was when I got in, I could play. I didn't get always my choices, right? Um, 
but you know, going down and playing Pinehurst and then playing so well, I was leading tied tied with Rockwell after the first round, um, tied with Retief after the second round. Played with Retief on Saturday. He's leading the tournament. I end up playing with Michael Campbell. He wins. I butcher Sunday, but you know, going through that and being that far up the leaderboard at that venue in those conditions had a lot of legs. And even though I crashed on Sunday, you know, later in the year, I got into Deutsche Bank. Um, Seth Wong gave me a sponsor, Jeff. I got into Deutsche Bank. And, you know, after 27 holes, I'm Tigers leading after the first round. After 27 holes, I'm tied to the lead. I'm leading after 36. I'm leading at, tied to the lead after 54. I end up beating Jason Bone by a shot. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without having gone through what I went through at Pinehurst. I wouldn't have been able to go. I wouldn't have been able to do that without having gone back and playing the second round of the qualifier that Monday. So I mean, these things are all interconnected. And you know, you, you get the opportunity to talk to younger players, and they ask you about things that matter. You know, that's a story that I can relate to somebody that will have legs and may may make a difference. It may resonate with somebody to the extent that, you know, they they understand the level of commitment that it takes to play good golf all the time. And without, you know, wandering off the reservation or, or whatever, I mean there's there was a there was a moment when I was watching Tiger Woods way back. I mean it's it's probably eighteen or twenty years ago now, where he was winning Bay Hill. And it was one of those crummy winter days in Orlando. It was raining. It was in the 40s. And he had the flu. And he was walking off. He's to the side. And, you know, he's going into the portalettes. He was throwing up. And he was just feeling awful. And it occurred to me at some point during that round, you know, and watching what he was doing, because a lot of people would have mailed it in, right? They would have, they would have withdrawn or they would have shot 80, like I did Sunday at the U.S. Open or whatever. But Tiger, Tiger didn't want to lose. And, and in fact, he was going to he was going to drag himself around the course, and it occurred to me during watch, watching him play that round that he he might rather die on the golf course than lose that tournament, and that's why he's Tiger Woods, and that's why he's the greatest player of our generation. And you could see that with great athletes. If you watch the last uh, the last dance, this thing with Michael Jordan, the last few weeks, I mean, you, uh-huh. you definitely get that impression from him from watching him. You know, there are certain athletes that are that are above and beyond and separate themselves from everybody else. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, you know, a guy like Roger Federer or Rafa Nadal, or it, it, we, we happen if you're a tennis fan to be able to see three of the greatest players who've ever played the game all at the same time, their, their careers are overlapping. Nadal, Djokovic and, and Federer. It's just phenomenal. And that's why we love sports, you know, and that's why last Sunday, these four guys went to Seminole and we hadn't seen any live sports in a long while. Two and a half million people put their eyeballs on the TV. We wanted to watch that. And this weekend up at Medalist, we have Tiger and Phil uh, pairing up with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And that's going to be an incredible event as well. So we've got a lot of good things happening. We're going to come out of this awful time. Uh, We're going to have to reboot what we're doing. We're going to have to get back after it again. And we're all going to have to. We're going to have to pull together and pull off a, you know, half a miracle to get back to life as what we used to think is normal. Oh, and just one more before I let you go, and I just want to continue that story. Because it seems like the wave that, that you created for yourself in that second round of the U.S. Open qualifier 
kind of went into Pinehurst and then went into other parts of that season. And if you go back and if you had not done that, if you had decided, I'm just going to pack it in, you know what, forget it. None of that happens. That's sort of like that, that sort of one thing, right? I, I think of it, you know, city slickers, you know, what's the one thing to me, that yeah. seems like the one thing for you, right? If that changed everything and, and, and propelled it's, it's so it. much more in your life. It, and, you know, there's no, there's nothing saying that it wouldn't have happened, but the, but the point that you're trying to make, and I agree with you, is that, is that if you go through something like what I went through at Pinehurst, it wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't gone back to play the second round. And there's no question that I was better prepared for being at Deutsche Bank. And then I finished second a couple weeks later at, at, uh, at Valero, too. So, I mean, I had in a, in a stretch there of a couple of weeks, something clicked and, and you know, it, it went my way. But, but there's absolutely no doubt there are moments that – and you could see them happening. I mean, you see it in the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, you know, where, where uh, players have these moments. And you could see where at that moment something's happened that you, you could put your finger on it. You could say, well, you know, that's going to be meaningful down the road. And you've heard it thousands of times about players who have done something at an event and say, and the question is, how did you do that? Well, four months ago, when I was in this situation at X place, I was presented with a similar situation and this is how I handled it. This is what happened. And I knew that I could get through it and it translated, it traveled to this point in time where it was, it was extra meaningful. And so this is what, this is the whole principle of commitment, right? If you're committed to something, it doesn't matter, you know, what it is, whether it's your schoolwork or your job or your relationships or your friendship, whatever it is, if you're committed and you're consistent, then those things have legs in the long run. And well, I tell you what, there, there are these moments that occur to people and that it, they don't always occur to you at the moment, but sometimes in retrospect where you can identify it and you say, you know, that, that was the moment that meant, that meant that I, that I understood it and I figured it out. And, uh, and it doesn't always stay with you, but for that, that, for that, at that point, it made the difference. Oh, before I let you go, um, how are things going with your son? How are things with Owen Brown Jr.? He's doing great. You know, he's, uh, he's a little disappointed because, because uh, there's no qualifying school this year and there's no way to get to the tour. He's going to, going to try and work his way on the court ferry he played court ferry last year and had kind of a miserable year where he didn't play as well as he would have liked but uh you know he he's got the feather in his cap he you know he he under, he understands why the things went the way they went last year and he's got that year under his belt so what he wants to do is get back there and and, and get to building the resume again so that he can get to the next level because the you know, the ideal is not, you know, that's not the end game, Corn Ferry Tour. The end game is to be on the PGA Tour. You know, that, that's been put on hold. So everybody's, everybody's progression is a year later now or a year delayed. And uh, it's just the times that we're in. And, you know, what? some people are going to survive that and some people aren't. And uh, hopefully he's going to be one of those that survives it. I'll let our uh, listeners know, how can they follow you both online and on social media? Yeah, I'm just... Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at Olin Brown, and I have an Instagram account. I don't even know what it is. I'm never on 
on it. But um, I like talking about stuff, and if people want to ask golf questions, check it out. I'm happy to answer. And, uh, you know, Chris, it's always great to be part of your show. Thanks for inviting me. I can't believe it's my eighth time on your show. Why do you keep inviting me back? I don't. I don't get it. We talk about you're the same fantastic. stuff. <laughs> we talk about the same stuff. It's all great stuff. So, That's why every single time there's something new to learn. And just like we just learned about, uh, you know, what happened to you with the the qualifying and and all of that sort of thing. That's a fantastic story, and that's something that's going to resonate with a lot of listeners. And uh, if we didn't have you back, like if you didn't go back for your second round, we never would have got it. So no, thank you so fact. much for sharing. You know what? I hope I, I hope it helps somebody because you know what? Every single player of every single sport who has accomplished anything has a story just like that. I mean, every single one. So it's not right. unique. Uh, and you just got to find out what that moment is and identify it and put it in your quiver and use it when you can. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for being generous with your time and coming back again. I'm already looking forward to number nine. I hope that's real soon. Pleasure, man. It's great being with you. Number nine was my number in high school, so it'll be a good time. We'll do it again. There you go. You bet. Take care, my friend. Stay safe. All the best to you and your family. Be well, likewise. Thanks. See you. Bye. That's a great Owen Brown. That story is absolutely fantastic, and uh, you can expect to see that in a uh, and a highlight uh, reel from uh, from this show because that's a great story and a fantastic guy who told it. And that's uh, sort of the the thing that I try to keep in mind a lot. What's the one thing? What's the one thing I you know from ever since I saw it on City Slickers, I keep that in mind. What's the one thing? And there it was. That's the one thing for Owen Brown. And maybe he's right. Maybe that's a, a you know a theme that we need to have for future shows and talk about that with uh, some future guests about what's the one thing that got them where they're not only where they're at, but what's the one thing that turns turn things around that might've been the linchpin in their careers to get them to where they got to. Um, that's a fantastic story. I love that. Look forward to catching up with Olin again real soon. He's uh, he's just fantastic. He's a treasure. All right. Before I get to my next guest, Debbie O'Connell, I want to give a shout out to our friends at the Ben Hogan golf company. When Ben Hogan founded his company in 1953, his mission was to make the finest golf equipment in the world. That remains their mission today. They forge every club they make to provide the feel and feedback investment clubs simply can't provide. And their craftsmen micromanufacture each club to your exacting specifications in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. You'll only find Ben Hogan Golf Equipment online at BenHoganGolf.com. Visit them there today and learn about their great products and their great prices. All right, now back in making her 11th appearance with me here on the show as one of my favorite guests, but also one of my favorite individuals as well, and that's Debbie O'Connell. Let me remind you about Debbie's background. She is an LPGA Class A teaching and club professional. 2002, she was named the LPGA National Professional of the Year and the LPGA Southeast Section Professional of the Year as well. 2004, her high school alma mater, Ridgewood High up in New Jersey, inducted her into their Athletic Hall of Fame. 2007, she won the inaugural Nancy Lopez Golf Achievement Award, which is given annually to the person who emulates the qualities valued by Nancy, which are leadership, passion, giving, and approachability. In 2008 and 2009, she was named a top 50 instructor by the LPGA. In 2010 and again in 2012, she was recognized by Golf Digest as one of the top 50 female teachers in America. In 2016, she was named the Northeast Section Teacher of the Year. 
She's also a media professional. She has been featured in Ladies Links for Golf Magazine and on LPGA.com. She hosted her own radio show, The Debbie O'Connell Show, as you can imagine, for a decade. And she is the founder of Golf Positive, which offers multimedia golf tips and articles that are going to enhance both your golf game and your life. She's written a book titled Golf Positive, Live Positive, Lessons in Golf and Life, which you can find out on Amazon.com. And I'm very excited to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Debbie, how are you, my friend? I am doing fabulous, Chris. I'm so excited to be on. My 11th time happens to be my number playing basketball and softball in high school and college, just like your previous guest mentioned for his number nine appearance, which will be coming up in the future. But thank you for the great introduction. I appreciate having you here. And I'll tell you what, kudos to you, my friend. I see you survived an interview with Tom Patry last week, which isn't easy to do. So good for you for getting through that. Oh, you know, Tom, he tells more stories. So when you're getting interviewed by him, he'll ask you a few, and then he, then we get to listen to his great stories. He has, he has <laughs> so many awesome stories to share. So it's easy. It's easy on him. <laughs> He's That's great. Love great. Tom. Indeed. So do I. Um, Debbie, you're such a wonderfully positive person. I, I got to ask you, how, how did you manage to get through everything that's been going on lately with COVID-19? I tell you, Chris, it's been um, it's been a challenge for uh, a couple reasons. But um, one of the things I decided when this was starting was to serve people. I decided I'm going to figure out a way to help others get through this time in our lives, this world pandemic, things we've never seen. So I focused on helping people get into their own peak state. You know, if we if we sit around and we complain and we ball up and cry all day or we focus on what we don't have, it will make this time even more stressful and harder. And it does lower your immune system with all that stress. But even though it's hard, if you do get yourself into peak state and you get there by, you know, getting some movement going, getting some exercise, positive thinking, and you think in solutions, you will see opportunities and you think about what can I do? to either help myself or help others get through or make the most of this or maybe learn and grow some, grow as a person during this time, then things will get better. So I focused on that and on serving people. I, on Facebook, I always did a In Motion Monday and a Fun Friday. Now I go live every day at 8.30 and I bring guests on sometimes. Sometimes it's just a, a message from me. Friday has truly turned into Fun Friday. I dress up like some famous singer and I do a little get and and people get a chuckle out of that and uh so that's how i changed uh, as far as what i focused on was how can i serve people how can i help them put a smile on their face get in peak state and look at the positive in their life and what they're thankful for because if you go to what you're thankful for it it actually does increase your immune system and it helps you to feel even happier and when you focus on what positive that you have you'll be able to see more positive in your life so that's been my focus I've had some personal heartbreak with this, too. My mother-in-law passed away from this disease. Yesterday, my cousin, who fought for over seven weeks on a ventilator, and he was actually doing well on rehab. So I've had the heartbreak. I've had had the, the worst of this virus as well hit us. And then it's about shifting my attention to how can I serve and how can I uplift myself to be there for, for those who need it at this time. Wow. Uh, kudos to you for fighting through all of that. 
Um, and I'm sorry for the loss that you've had to deal with. That had to be terrible. Um, yeah, talk you. about for, for on the opposite end of that, for those of us that are still stuck at home and, you know, the state that we might be living in right now, it hasn't reopened and we're still seeing some of those things. And, you know, I mean, you're right. It can be very depressing to turn on the news or to turn on CNN and hear about cases climbing, death rate climbing, all of those sorts of things sort of beat us down. What are some things that we can focus on to try to help ourselves feel better and get through it just uh, in, in a, you know, a fraction of the way that you did? Oh, absolutely, Chris. You know, I, I'm in one of those states. I'm in New Jersey. So New York has had the most cases. I don't live far from New York City. I'm in Bergen County, New Jersey, which has more case, cases per county than any other county in New Jersey. So I am in the hot spot, and I'm still in that stay-at-home order. And and here's what I suggest. Figure out, you know, a, a song that you listen to that every time you hear it, it puts a smile on your face because it's a positive memory. You can choose to just right away say, you know what, I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm going to choose to lift myself up and get myself in a better state. Um, and there's ways you can do it. Exercise is a great way to do it. Go to gratitude. Put a smile on your face. Help someone else. That is one of the best things you can do. Even if it's putting a note in the mail and mailing it to someone, making a phone call, and you get yourself upbeat and in a positive state so that you can be there for someone else. You know, there's, there's nothing like if you're going through something to find someone else who's going through something at the same or worse than you and helping brighten their day, and that makes you feel better. So that's something you can do. And, I, you know, my sister's a school teacher, so I have a couple nieces who are school teachers as well. And what they're noticing is families are really appreciating the time at home. They're, they're having dinner together every night. They're playing games together. People are yep. connecting. You know, get connected with other people. There's, there are so many games you can play online with us. We've been doing that one called Quick, Quick, uh, Quick Blast. And it's been so much fun. So it's, it's social connection that we need. Physical distancing, yes, but social connection is a key for all of us. So reach out to other people, create games, the people in your home, value that time that you have with them. You know, I'm sure my sister who has a, a, a high school senior right now who missed baseball season and, and last year, I mean, it was fortunate. He was going out a winner. They won the state in the counties last year. So he had a great season as a junior, but there was a lot of disappointments. And a couple of times I got emotional about that, what these seniors are missing out on, whether it's high school or college. Uh, but then you look at what you're thankful for and you keep life in perspective, you know, having a life, having a family, you know, getting through this and with the minimal losses we can. And if you're lucky enough to not have lost anyone, look at that, and be thankful or that you stayed healthy. Um, what are the things you can be thankful for to keep life in perspective as well? But, you know, you know, sometimes we have to mourn the loss for a minute. I shed some tears over that with my, with my nephew too. This one day it hit me. I don't know what it was because I'm very good and it's automatic in my mind. I've, I've worked on my mindset, whether unconscious mind and conscious, and I, and I switched to at least getting life in perspective very quickly. It's just automatic. And, I, and uh, so I, for a long time I handled it. And then for some reason it hit me. I think I looked in my phone and it was going to be senior day for Brian's baseball. I had that on my schedule. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I knew his graduation would have been coming up and uh, everything. And, and I got emotional about it. And it's okay to do that. But then here's the key. 
you can choose to, to get out of it. You can choose how long you stay down. So you'll give yourself that moment and say, okay, time to pick myself back up and go make some massive movement, get some exercise, put a smile and switch your thinking, and then you can be in your own peak state, which makes you better and helps everybody around you as well. That's fantastic. Debbie, I want to spend some time talking about the mental side of the game. And I was, I was looking at your site, golfpositive.com, and you've got a five-day course starting this Saturday, oh, by the way, called The Keys to a Championship Mindset. Talk about what you're going to be teaching everybody this weekend. You know what's so amazing, Chris? The more I learn about the mental game, uh, the more excited I get about it. The more we know how powerful our mind is. And I have recently, this year, gotten certified with neurolinguistic programming uh, as a practitioner and a coach and timeline therapy and even hypnosis. So I have these new certifications and I'm, I'm working on a couple more. And uh, it's just amazing of how our mind works. And here's what happens so often with golf. You know, we work in the conscious level. We take the lessons. We, we learn about mental game. We go through the pre-shot routine and do all the things on a conscious level that we need to learn. And we get better. You know, so many people have improved and gotten better. But there's, there's also this other layer. And I kind of picture it like a hot air balloon and that's tied down. But some pretty, you got some rope there. And you're, you're in the basket and you're hitting the gas and the flame's coming up and the heat. And you're getting better and you're getting better and you're starting to go up. Everything's improving and things are getting better and you're lifting up. But only to the point that your unconscious mind will allow you and the beliefs that are deep-seated in your unconscious mind. And what I mean by that, if you have a belief that you're not good enough, that you may not remember that when, it, when you were a kid, you were in competition and you had a chance to win and you blew it and, and somewhere like the kids, other kids were mad at you and it was an emotional event that you went through and everyone was mad and, and they're like, oh, you were terrible or you blew it for us, something like that. And that sticks in the unconscious mind. So now you're on the golf course. You're about to shoot uh, your lowest score. You're about to shoot 59 or you're about to, to, to break 70 for the first time or 80 or 90 or 100, 110, wherever you are, you're about to break that or you're about to win a tournament. Your beliefs in your unconscious mind will determine what's about to happen. And if you have that underlying belief that you're not good, good enough or you don't deserve to win or you're, you get too nervous, that was an old one of mine, I get too nervous coming down the stretch, and that was more so with my 300 game, but it was happening in bowling as well, bowling and golf. It was happening in both sports that I would get too nervous. And I had that belief because when I was a kid and you're watching sports on TV and someone was, oh, yeah, they were really nervous. Their nerves got to them. Oh, man, yeah, that. That was all nerves that caused that bad shot. And when you hear that, you hear that, it becomes this belief that you have. So I learned that if you're that nervous, it, it, you, you blow it or you can't succeed. You know, when I play team sports and you're running around on a basketball court, you don't feel those nerves. You don't realize how nervous you are, even though the game is close and then you need to stop and make a free throw. That's different because in golf, you feel you're just walking. There's so much time in between. In bowling, there's time between each each ball that you roll and when you have strike after strike after strike after strike and you're 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 perfect so far you get those nerves start to happen so if you have that underlying belief our our minds are so powerful 
that the unconscious mind will make and manifest your life based on what it believes. And if it is those beliefs are going to take over, you better make sure they're more positive and empowering beliefs. Because how often have you heard stories or done it yourself where you've blown it coming down the stretch? You, you, right. You've made that poor shot. All of a sudden you had a double and you're like, oh, my God, what happened? I was playing so well. Well, somewhere underneath in the unconscious, you didn't quite believe you could do it. And people have like a range of scores. I've noticed that all my career. You know, they'll have the, you know, their high score that they shoot is 85 their best score is 78. And somewhere they can go out and play the front nine and, and be like two, two over, playing great golf, feeling great, and something happens at the turn. And they go in the back and they blow it and they shoot between 78 and 85 again, even though they had it going. Or they're doing that all the way to the last three holes and they're about to shoot you know, 74 and then they, they finish double, triple or something like that. And it's because they have this image of themselves in the unconscious mind of how good they are and where they shoot. And to, to break through that, it's to go deeper and find the root causes of those limiting beliefs. And it's an amazing yeah, process. So, yeah. So to your point, like for me and my buddies will tell you, you know, no matter how many times I play, I can play twice a year or I could play, you know, 30 times a year and I'm going to shoot somewhere between 81 and 86 every time. So <laughs> to your point about the belief piece that that might be way down under that, uh, you know, I'm concerned about trying to be able to break 80. Am I good enough to break 80? All that sort of thing. How do we fix that? How do we break through that and get to unleashing the rest of what could be a really good round, a really good score, a really good, you know, career, whatever, as, as we continue to play the game? How do we break that down? Well, I'll tell you first how not to. You can't fix a problem in the, in the conscious mind that's actually in the unconscious mind. So we need to get into the unconscious and we need to get down to the root cause of it so then we can unleash you from that old limiting belief. And uh, that's part of what my five-day uh, program is going to be, the keys to a champion mindset. What is that? When, you know, your previous guest was uh, uh, Mr. Brown talking about Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods, they just wanted to win. They knew they could win. Their whole desire was to win. There was no doubt. There was no, they were unshakable in their confidence and their belief in themselves. Imagine playing golf like that. Being unshakable in your confidence and belief, even if you mess up a shot, which we're going to, we're human, right? So we're going to miss a shot. But what if it was just an event that happened and you moved on and you said, all right, let me go find that. I have someone I'm working with right now on a, on a breakthrough session. And, um, what happened with, with, with her is, is she she has a goal. She's a very good golfer. She's done all the, the training. So like like what I said, she, she's hit that gas on the hot air balloon and she's gotten to a point, but she had a couple little things tying her down. And she's been doing this amazing training with some of the best teachers and, and physically fit and, and has worked on all. And she said, you know, can you help me get to where I can shoot in the 70s more regularly? And we started with a breakthrough session that, after our first session, she went out and shot uh, 78, and then she went out and shot 76 after that. And she said, oh, my gosh, I was like a little kid. I felt like a kid on Christmas Day. I was giddy. I was in the moment. I was present. I wasn't worried about my technique. I wasn't thinking technique. I was just in the moment, having fun, playing golf, and I felt confident the whole time, unwavering. She said, even if I hit a poor tee shot, 
I, I was fine, and I and I I didn't beat myself up. I didn't berate myself because I had a years ago who after every single shot during the lesson criticized herself or the shot every shot even if it was a good shot she goes well I didn't hit it far even though it went in the air and straight didn't go far or it went it was a little to the right or every single time and you know what why I got to the deeper rooter cause her dad criticized her all the time she was never good enough she never did anything right so she was in that same mindset and she did it to herself as an adult so what we wow. do uh, Chris is we get to that underlying cause and that belief and then we unleash you from it with this great technique called timeline therapy we actually go back to the event and we take positive lessons from the event and there's because of the way our brains are when we go back and we take positive lessons and we don't erase the event we just detach the emotions from it and we take these positive lessons that wow you know because of that moment i know i am strong i know i i look I, I will always continue to pursue my goals. I, I know I'm intelligent. I know I'm athletic. I know I'm, I can hit great shots. Whatever those positive lessons, but it unleashes the emotion from it. And that's what the challenge is with so many people. And they work so hard consciously. And I teach that way too. I'm, teach, I'm doing a virtual clinic right now from my basement. And we're working on golf skills, which will improve people to a point but I always will work on the mental game as well. So talk about that last piece, because I, I know you've got this a five-week course that you're in the middle of delivering. Uh, I think it goes through the month of May. It's called Next Level Golf. Talk about that and how that works in conjunction with what you've got starting uh, this Saturday. Yeah, uh, so the... The next level golf is a virtual clinic where we go through the fundamentals. Most people in golf want to be more consistent. So I work on a lot of golf technique of, uh, you know, things at home. Take a bath towel, put it under your arm, and work on your backswing. We used it in putting. Keep your head still, your lower body still, but feel your big muscles doing the work. Keep your wrist still. Then we go to chipping. Use that same towel. Feel that connection with your big muscles in your upper body. And, and do the, the chip shot with your head and wrist staying still. Then tonight was actually the pitch shot. We use that same towel. And what I tell people is when you get out of the bath or the shower, you get out, you dry yourself off, you could be naked or put your clothes on, but put a towel under your arms at some point and work on that backswing and feel connected <laughs> and work on turning through and feel connected. And in two minutes a day, and watch your head stay still as you're moving with that upper body. That starts to change the, the physical movement in your body and you start to feel something differently. And, you know, so I'm teaching, we're, we're, we're chipping with quarters where we're using a frying pan to show the release in golf. And I'm telling you, before you cook, put that frying pan in your hand, like it's a golf club and make some swings. And there's things that you can do at home that will absolutely help your physical techniques. And then I get into mental game. And a lot of it starts with your values, like what do you love about golf? And, and your listeners can do that right now. What do you love about golf? And, and so many people say, oh, my gosh, I love being with my friends. I love being outside. I love to just go and, and hit that ball and, and chase it around the course or seeing nature and getting my exercise. And then they get to the first tee, and it's all about, oh, my gosh, this, this person's better than me. I wonder what they're going to think of me, or I got to hit this shot really well. And they put all this pressure on themselves. Well, that's not even the reason why they want to play. So it's getting your values in line. It's getting your conscious goals in line with your unconscious beliefs that really makes a difference. So we talk about that kind of thing because so many people have 
you know, had a, had a round of golf where they hit their driver great all day and that day they can't putt or vice versa. And it's, again, getting in that score that they believe that they can shoot and that they, they comfortably can believe. And then there, there are some people who uh, make an excuse before they start. How many times you've been on the tee and are like, oh, man, what a day I've had. Everything's gone wrong, and, and I'm sure this will be the same way. Or, man, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I'm kind of tired and my neck is stiff, so don't expect much from me. You know, because golf is the type of game where you get the blame for every shot you hit, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, Chris, it's all on you. So, so many people set themselves up with an excuse before they even start to kind of lower the expectations. What if you went to the tee? with 100% confidence, just belief in yourself and with positive thoughts, seeing, seeing yourself relaxed out there and playing in line with your values of enjoying your friends, enjoying playing the game. And if you're competitive, enjoying being competitive, but also have fun. And, and every shot you hit, wherever it goes, you just move on and hit the next one and you have unshakable confidence and belief in yourself. Imagine the game that people would play. And we can create that and that that five-day program you're talking about, the keys to uh, champion mindset. And that's on my, my website to sign up for that. Um, I didn't think it was this Saturday. Is it this Saturday already coming up? I thought it was in, in another week. No, no, it's, it's I, a week from Saturday because this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. And if I have the wrong date, I'm going to go fix it because it shouldn't be this weekend. <laughs> that's it probably me. I didn't want to start on Memorial yeah, Day. That's probably uh, me. But anyway, so it's a week from this Saturday that will start. But if you want more and you're I mean what would people pay for that Chris if we, you unlock your unconscious mind what would that be worth to people how much have people invested into the clubs into the lessons right. that have helped them and helped them to a point and now that that hot air balloon is stuck it can't get any better and it's only those unconscious beliefs and that that would would that would be worth to people unbelievable uh, and and you know Absolutely. what I'm going for the value of it, I valued at nine nine hundred ninety seven, but I'm I'm doing this one for ninety seven dollars, five full wow. days plus. You get you get a personalized one on one coach. You get three sessions, and then I have a bonus for quick sign ups that they get an extra forty minute coaching session, and that person will help you get to the root cause. Besides what I'm doing for five days in a row, and then and then your personalized coaching sessions and the forty minute strategy session with you. I mean, it's it's an incredible deal. I, anyone who who feels stuck or has has done those things we talked about on the golf course and and or shoot always, no matter what, between this and this, and they can't seem to get lower, but they know they have the skills, and you don't feel like you're reaching your full potential that you have in this game. Definitely go to my website and and sign up for this program because it will change your life on the golf course. And you you know you won't you'll have so much fun. Get rid of the stress, the tension, the doubt, the fear, the pulling out the water ball. You know, let's get rid of that. Go have a great time on the golf course and play to your ability. Debbie, before I let you go, let our listeners know how can they find out more information about all of this and follow you, whether it's on your website or it's on social media. Oh, absolutely, Chris. That's uh, I'd love to share. I, as I said, every morning it's just Debbie O'Connell on Facebook. Facebook, and actually, if you look at it, Live Positive, you could put Debbie O'Connell and Live Positive, and I'll come up on Facebook. Every morning, 8.30, I'm there with a message. Tomorrow, I'm working out with Karen Palacios Jansen, uh, who who is uh, cardio golf. It'll be phenomenal. I do Wednesday workouts, but I'm on every morning live with some kind of in, in, inspirational message for you or a guest where you can learn some things. I'm on Instagram 
as well as Debbie underscore O underscore Connell. So it's Debbie, D-B-B-I-E underscore O underscore C-O-N-N-E-L-L. Uh, also, my website, as you mentioned, um, golfpositive.com, and that, that kind of clicks you over to my website is really debbie-o'connell.com. We've, we've got both, but it all leads you to the same place. Look for the programs on there. I'm on Twitter as well. I follow you. Uh, you're phenomenal, and what you bring to this industry is, is just the best, Chris. I so appreciate you. I appreciate you very much. Debbie, thank you so much for being generous with your time and all you do to uh, to um, improve the game and improve our games. And uh, hopefully we get an opportunity to catch up with you real soon. I'd love to hear how all that goes. Oh, I can't wait to share it with you, Chris. I will certainly let you know. Everybody's positive out there and stay safe also. Thank you, Debbie. Take care. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you, Chris, for having me on. Bye-bye. See you, Debbie. That's a great Debbie O'Connell, Golf Positive. It's fantastic. I'm, I tell you what, that uh, the five-day program and to try to unlock, you know, some of the things that maybe I got going on way down deep inside to get me to break through that uh, that 80, you know, floor, I guess you would say, or the idea of trying to get into and break in 80. Maybe there's something going on. I need to try to figure that out. But uh, Debbie, fantastic as you heard. There's no one more enthusiastic and more positive about the game. And uh, I look forward to get, catching up with her again soon and hearing how all of these courses go. All right, before I get to my next guest, Dr. Joe Parent, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. Speaking of positive, you can find them online at PositiveVibesGolf.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at PVibesGolf. Their head covers and putter covers are a unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts when you're out there on the course. They're a great training aid as well because you can't help but put a smile on your face when you go back to your golf bag and you see your head cover and you see your putter covers. See what I'm talking about by going online to PositiveVibesGolf.com and give them a follow on Twitter at PVibesGolf. All right, now back with me is Dr. Joe Parent. Doc is the author of several books that I know that uh, you're going to be familiar with, Zen Golf, Mastering the Mental Game. Zen putting, mastering the mental game on the greens and how to make every putt, golf, the art of the mental game, and then the best diet book ever. All fantastic. He's got uh, a great new book coming out now called A Walk in the Wood. And it's, uh, it's about mindfulness. It kind of ties in uh, Winnie the Pooh. So it's, uh, it's a very interesting read that I'm looking forward to, get to, uh, to checking out. Doc is also a great keynote speaker and an executive coach. He also does life coaching performance coaching, mindfulness awareness coaching. He's a sports psychologist on the PGA and LPGA tours. And I'm very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Doc, how are you, my friend? Great. How are you, Chris? I'm fantastic. Thank you, Doc. Uh, um, Can you hear me? I want to get right into it tonight because you've got so much going on and you've got so much great information to talk about. And, and now getting into mindfulness, Talk about what that means in the new book you've got coming out about it. Oh, I'm happy to do that. Uh, boy, is Debbie ever full of energy? I, I got a little tired just listening. Uh, oh, that's she's fantastic, excuse. right? She was, she was joking. You have an excuse before you uh, you get on there, but that's not my not my excuse. I admire her her energy tremendously. Um, <clears throat> Interestingly, we have a, a kind of a different perspective because you would think me being a, a PhD in psychology, 
I would be looking into therapy and the unconscious, but I actually don't and have a system for habit change that doesn't require going into all of the your past traumas and, and things like that. And we, we can talk about that a little later. I, I, it just occurred to me, it was interesting, we should, you should do a session, a 40-minute session with Debbie and a 40-minute session with me and then go and see if you can break 80. That would be, be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, indeed. That would be great. So mindfulness. Well, uh, and Debbie talked about this, but, I, you know, if you've ever gotten a raffle ticket, you, you see printed on the back, you must be present to win. And that's kind of the mindfulness slogan. You must be present to win. Um, one of the things that we get into trouble coming down the stretch, why? Because we're thinking ahead of what our score is going to be after 18, uh, after we finish 18 holes. And I tell my students, uh, you know, they say, well, you know, I got a little uptight on the 14th hole. I had four holes to play. And, you know, I, I, I just tried to, to keep from making mistakes. I said, well, you know, you're thinking about your score on the 14th hole. How many 14-hole scores have you ever turned in? They go, oh, none. I said, ta-da, there's, there's no need. Now, that doesn't mean we don't do that because we're so score-oriented. But you need to use um, what I call the ninja system that I developed, necessary intention and non-judgmental awareness. Now, the mindfulness comes into that awareness part. You, you have to have the necessary intention. You really have, you have to want to do something different. Uh, sometimes people kind of get comfortable with uh, their, in their, their, we call it the comfort level. They get comfortable with not doing so well. But it, everything has a threshold to make a change. So if you want to make the change, we, we actually have an old, uh, there's an old psychologist joke. Uh, it's a riddle. How many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Only one, but the light bulb has to want to change. That's the psychology part. You, you do, you have to want to change. But once, once you do that, if you, if, on the way to making changes, you fail and beat yourself up or get too excited about uh, having accomplished it, then you, you get caught up in a, a cycle of hope and fear. So that's why after you have the necessary intention, you have to have non-judgmental awareness. And that is exactly what mindfulness is. Being aware of what you're experiencing, externally, your perception, internal, your physical sensation, and mentally, your thoughts and emotions, what you're experiencing in the present, the present moment, moment to moment to moment. Now, um, we were talking, uh, we were texting before you were talking about, you know, getting caught in the time machine, and, and that is getting ahead of ourselves, right? Well, as far as time machines go, do you, Chris, do you have a time machine in your backyard? I don't. I wish I did. Oh, yeah, we do. But that means you're stuck as far as your body is concerned. Your location in space is always here. And your location in time is always now. But your mind is a time machine. And you spend 95% of your time in the past or the future. Now, that's not a very rich experience of the present moment. And think about this. If I told you 
the only TV you're going to get to watch are reruns of shows you've already seen and previews of shows you're probably never going to see. That wouldn't be very satisfying. But think about how much time we spend replaying the past, a past bad hole, or sometimes a past good hole. You know, I've been out with my swing instructor, uh, and he said, oh, that was really a great swing. What does that do? It puts in my mind, how am I swinging? And, and I start trying to imitate that swing. It, it, it's not so good for you to, to be stuck in the past and try to reproduce something that happened before. Also, you're playing well, and you get ahead of you, and you think, well, you know, maybe I could come in, and as you were saying, I could break 80. All i got to do is par the last two holes. And we know what that does to you. <laughs> so now you're pre-playing the future that won't happen. You're missing the present moment. And that's really what mindfulness is about. Now, I'll go a little further. Mindfulness is, a, is the state of being present, fully in the here and now. And, and it's vivid. You're experiencing everything without a lot of analysis and commentary and overlay of your chattering, thinking mind. And that's wonderful, but the mind does wander. It wanders into the past and the future. So our training to train yourself in mindfulness is the practice. And the practice goes, you pick your object of attention. Let's say you're going to work on the sensation of your breathing in your body, which is a good one. I, I recommend that to all my students, taking a full, deep breath all the way in and then breathing out and let it go all the way out and feel yourself singing sinking down into the, you know, feet, you're really feet, really sinking into the ground uh, at the end of the outbreath before walking into a dress. And that, that clears everything, and you're right there in the present moment. So that's the first, that's the first part of the training is to pick something you're paying attention to. The second is stay with it as long as you can. But the mind does wander. So the real practice is coming back. Not as soon as you wake up from the daydream that you were in about what your score is going to be or or making up for a bad hole in the past of replaying or pre-playing, as soon as you wake up from that daydream, you're already back to the present moment. There's the key point. Come back to what you were doing. Pay attention to what's going on in the here and now more clearly. And that's the practice of mindfulness, continually bringing yourself back to what you were doing. Bring yourself back to what you were doing. And, and I want to share from my new book, the Winnie the Pooh book, which is really for adults and for children. And this is Winnie the Pooh's poem on mindfulness. Come back from the future or past to what I was just doing last. That's the way I know how to be Pooh here and now. That's the whole practice. 2,500 years of practice in four lives. Wow. So, Doc, how, how do we prevent the wandering? Because to your point, I think one of the things that I know that I am constantly guilty of is if I've had a, a good front nine, gotten off to a good start, again, just to your example of the, the 14th hole, you know, you, I, I start adding up into my head well, you know what, if right. I if I par, you know, these last, you know, four holes, or if I just make one bogey and three pars, and I'm going to mm -hmm. shoot 78 or nine, I'm good here. So you're right. I, I end up projecting out there. 
And then I end up right. double bogeying the whole Amon. And now I got to, well, now I got a birdie. And now, I, you know, so how, when we recognize uh, well, that we're well, starting to do that, how do we stop? Okay. So this is where Debbie and I diverge a little bit. Almost every golfer has that happen. And not everybody has the same childhood trauma. Well, it, it's very typical that, as you know, <laughs> the, the, everything, when you're under stress, Everything moves up in your body and faster. That's a physiological experience. You don't say, I was really down tight yesterday. You say, I was uptight, right? Is that right? Yep. So you were uptight. That's where the energy goes. And you're moving faster. It's like you're driving your car and you're going one mile an hour faster every minute. After 15 minutes, you're suddenly going 85. And you go, whoa, how did that happen? Well, that's what happens during a round. And, you know, it's the same thing as a roll of toilet paper. As you get near the end, it goes faster. (laughs) So, to our golf game, we get speeded up and we don't realize. So, the key is first realizing that we've gotten speeded up and using your breathing to slow yourself down. Tom Watson said that he, he would... He was famous for choking coming down the stretch on Sunday at, a, at the U.S. Open. And he said, learning how to breathe and walk more slowly was the key to him overcoming that and winning. How about that? Just breathing and walking more slowly. Okay, so that's one aspect of it. And, in fact, that little place in the round, uh, you know, at the Masters, what do they call that that area? Uh a little after the turn, but before you come to the home stretch. Amen, corner. That's right. And everybody has one. Because as you make that turn and you start coming down the home stretch, you start running out of holes to make up for mistakes. And you're getting a little tired. And the nutrition, you know, maybe you're getting a little dehydrated and you get excited about the possibility of a good round and fearful of the possibility of blowing it, hope, fear, hope, fear, and the crescendo gets you all speeded up. And that's why you you hit the bad shot on 15. It was because you got quick at the top. But you didn't get quick at the top because you were so nervous. It was because you got so excited. Um, The reason you feel a little nervous is because you have the possibility of having a good round. And every great champion does feel the butterfly, feels the nerves. And I, I have in my book a story about Helen Hayes, a great theater actress. Uh, for 50 years, she performed on the stage. And she said, even after all this time, before I start, I get the butterfly. But my job is to make them fly in formation. You see, wow. you, see you, channel, you channel that nervous energy. You don't try to suppress it. If you suppress it, you go numb. You have to feel it and channel it into focus, feel, and fire. The three F's, focus, feel, and fire. And if you don't do that, well, you might get F. (laughs) The whole point is that you really need to to be aware of those things. That's where mindfulness comes in. Now, you said, what do I do about not getting ahead of myself? Since we all do that. That's where the ninja system training is. 
I don't think you need to go into your unconscious. All you need to do is write on your scorecard word, the words getting ahead of myself or thinking about score. And then every time you realize that you're pre-planning, you're ahead of yourself, you're not in the present moment, smile and say, oh, there's one, and put a little mark down, a little tick mark. You know how, how the, the, you go one, two, three, four, and cross, like, like counting off the days something happens? Right. Just put little tick marks down, one, two, three, four, cross, one, two, three, four, cross. And, and what that does is it acknowledges that you got ahead of yourself, you smile, you don't beat yourself up about it, and it, and it resolves it. It says, I'm done with that, back to what I'm doing now. That doesn't mean you won't wander in a couple of minutes. But as you do this, you're, this is where the subconscious comes in. I wouldn't call it the unconscious, but the subconscious in the back of your mind you don't want to put another mark down. So you catch yourself before you start to get off and, and get there. And eventually the impulse to get ahead of yourself stops. So this is how the ninja system works. You can read about it. In, I use it in the diet book. And, I, and of course, it's in Zen Golf and all my other books. It's how you change habits through non-judgmental awareness. You don't beat yourself up. Just notice the habit that you're trying to change, and eventually it it dissolves. This, and I can tell you from personal experience, I was uh, playing with a a friend of mine at a pretty new golf course. It was an executive course, just nine holes. I was even par going to the last hole, and he said, I "Wonder what the course record is." Well, what does that make you think about? <laughs> what okay. I had, I had. 12 marks on my scorecard just on that one hole. <laughs> but, I, but I did score it because each time I caught myself thinking about the score or the course record, which, which surely would hold up for a whole day, maybe two. But it doesn't matter. You feel like, hey, I got it, right? But, but you have to come back and do it. And, and, um, and so I was able to part the hole by continually bringing myself back without beating myself up. And that's the, that's the secret to doing it. Well, Doc, before I let you go, let our listeners know how can they get a copy of the new book and all the other ones that you've done already? How can they follow you, get a copy of the book, and whether that's online, on Amazon, or on social media? Okay, well, uh, thank you so much. I, I, you know, and I, I really got into, into that a little bit because it's so exciting for me to be able to help people, and that's what I want to do. Um, the latest book, A Walk in the Woods, Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh, are stories in a day in the life of Winnie the Pooh and his friends that, that are for all ages, but can be read by adults to children. After each story is uh, an adult section on how to do some mindfulness practices and some calming practices and some confidence-building practices and and gratitude practices, all of these all the way through the book for, for parents or teachers to, to read, practice themselves, and then share with their children at whatever their age appropriate level is. And uh, if uh, Disney Editions asked uh, the Disney company, asked my sister and me to write this book, and my wife designed it to be a graphic designer for Disney. So I'm very, very proud of it. A Walk in the Wood, Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh. 
The diet book uses the same principles to change your eating and exercise habits. Uh, Zen tennis, I was just talking with somebody about that, and the four golf books. If you go to drjoeparent.com, no periods in between, just the dot before dot com, D-R-J-O-E-P-A-R-E-N-T.com. Um, also, zengolf.com, one word, Z-E-N-G-O-L-F.com. You'll see all about what I do. And I'm on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. It's either under Dr. Joe Parent or it's under Dr. Joe and Zen Golf. And if you go to my YouTube channel, again, Dr. Joe Parent, you'll see videos on my keynote speaking, on mindfulness practice, on um, uh, golf, and on diet. So it covers pretty much everything. Um, and I want to invite people. If you if you go to the website, I'm going to do a free mindfulness session on Zoom on Friday morning at 10 o'clock Pacific time. Just email me to info at zengolf.com, info at zengolf.com, and we'll send you the link to get on the free Zoom mindfulness session. So, uh, Chris, thank you so much. And... Um, I appreciate the opportunity to share this with everybody. Uh, and uh, remember, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. <laughs> That's great. Doc, thank you so much for your time and, and coming back and uh, and sharing some more information with us. And and uh, look forward to getting a copy of the book and, uh, and checking that out as well. You're fantastic. And uh, hopefully we get the opportunity to catch up with you again soon. Do it again soon. I'd love to. Thanks, Chris. You're a great interviewer. Ah, thank you, Doc. Take care. All the best to you and your family. That's the great Dr. Joe Parent. And again, so many great books that he's got out there. Zen Golf, Mastering the Mental Game is uh, a, you know, a, a, a book that I keep close at hand at all times because goodness knows uh, I need a lot of help with the mental side of the game. Zen Putting is another great one as well helping you, uh, you know, deal with uh, some of the pressure and some of the ideas that go through your head when you're not making the putts you need to make. So uh, those are two fantastic books. And then he's got, he's got all these others, uh, you know, how to make every putt golf, the art, uh, the art of the mental game, the best diet book ever. And doc and I talked about this last time, but I highly recommend that one because it takes you away from think it changes your thinking about eating it. And it kind of gets away from the do's and don'ts or from the don'ts to the do's. So it's kind of, you know, from the negative connotations that we get from dieting, it turns that into a positive and very much looking forward to a walk in the woods. Doc's fantastic. I look forward to getting him back on the show again soon. All right. Now back with me is my long lost cousin, John Mascari. Let me remind you about John's background. He attended Ryder University in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, back in the mid to late 90s and graduated with his bachelor's degree in political science and government. From 2000 to 2012, John worked at some of the best golf courses in and around New Jersey and New York, including Glen Ridge Country Club, Manhattan Woods Golf Club, the Colts Neck Golf Club, Hamilton Farm Golf Club, Canoe Brook and Country Club, and Preakness Hills Country Club. He's now the head golf professional at Alpine Country Club up in Alpine, New Jersey. John is also a member of Callaway's master staff. He's been named a top 50 master teacher by U.S. Kids Golf and uh, I'm very honored that he was very patient and he is back with me again tonight. 
here on Next on the Tee. What's up, cuz? I am a mental disaster after listening to that. I am so weak <laughs> mentally. I'm like in the corner <laughs> sucking my thumb right now. <laughs> How are you, cuz? I'm doing good, my friend. Um, how you holding up up there in New Jersey? Goodness knows. You guys have been oh, some man. of the hardest hit areas with COVID-19. Yeah, you we're, guys um, doing okay? We're doing okay. Yeah, we're doing okay. Um, obviously, as you know, we're kind of at the epicenter of things here in, in the New York, New Jersey area. Alpine is in Bergen County, which was one of the hardest hit areas by this virus. But we're doing okay. The golf course opened up on the 2nd of May, and we've been packed every day since. Um, you know, we've had some interesting hurdles to get over with twosomes only and spread out 16 minutes, but everyone's been happy that we're at least playing golf and actually t- uh, today started the ability to go to foursomes. So people are smiling for good reasons, or, but they're still being safe and uh, it's it's a slow road to recovery, but at least it's we're going in the right direction. So, John, I, I got to tell you, kudos to you. My friend, one of my favorite things that I've seen out on Twitter in a long time was your video live from John's backyard. And let me say, heck of a singing voice there, cuz you're fantastic. I love the pipes. And kudos to your son, Joe, on the drums, too. You got a you got the little uh, Mascari family band that could be happening. That's it. Like we're the Italian partridge family over here in New Jersey. It was fun. It was fun to do. You know, I was looking for a way to engage the members at Alpine, you know, teach a quick little lesson, but really just to get them to smile, tell them how much my staff and myself miss being at the club and and to turn their minds to golf and and away from some of the other stuff in their life. So it was really well received. We did a few episodes. We opened up so quickly that they were really kind of out of context. So they'll they'll be in the archives for the Blu-ray release. So if you did a couple, I only saw the one on Twitter. Where where can I, I got to get the other two, right? I mean, this I'll is a series I got to have. I'll send them to you, yes. If you promise not to uh, distribute them, I'll send them to you. But we did a we did a punning one where it was like a newscast show, and, and then we had some other fun with uh, with the sand hitting out of a bunker. So uh, I'll send those over to you. But, you know, again, it's just an opportunity. I don't mind getting in front of the camera, so it was fun for us, and it took our minds off. And, and actually, you know, to your point, we did it as a family. My daughter, my son, my wife was the uh, the camera person, so it was really an idea for all of us to get together and do something enjoyable. So you got to share the lesson with us because it was a, a tip on how to hit a high lofted pitch shot. So take us through that, you know, including you know ball position and all that sort of thing because it's a great tip. Sure, sure. So what you know, what I always look if you want to hit it high, want to get that ball position a little further up towards our front foot. So I see so many members playing it anytime they're around the green, that ball goes way in the back of the stance. And if they want to hit it, try to hit it high, they try to get back and get underneath it. I want them to have the ball up in their stance so they can let that club face swing through. And probably the second part, which I think is the most important is really utilizing that bounce of the club, that back edge, not so much the leading edge. Don't let it dig into the ground. We want it to kind of skip like a, um, off a skip plate. We want to let that bounce work and maintain that loft of the club through the shot. You know, I was taught at a young age, if you had a dime on the face of the club after you hit it, you almost want to feel like that dime just stays on that face and doesn't turn over or, and release. And I think if you follow those, just those three little changes, you'll see that you can hit a nice high, soft uh, shot that'll land 
softly and you can get real aggressive with it. And John, as I was looking at some of your other videos, um, one of the things you talk about as a key to hitting good chip shots is decide if you want to hit it high or low. You know, so in that situation, I want to get your thoughts. If there's not a bunker or a hazard in between us and the hole, what is some of the decision-making process that we need to really be kind of thinking through? Do I hit this shot high or do I keep it low on the ground and let it release and run? Yeah, I think the first point you make is, is the most important one. If, there, if there's something that we don't really have to hit over, our options are, are, are a lot more. So what I look for as I'm playing is just looking at the green complex in general. Is my shot uphill or is it downhill? Uh, also, you know, where the whole location is. How much green do I have to work with? Again, real important to my shot selection. Most of the time, I want to get that ball rolling like a putt as quick as I can. If I have nothing to hit over or if I don't need to stop it quickly, I'm going to pick out a spot where I want to land the ball and then just let it start to trace like a putt. And my club selection will be essentially where I want to land it and then how much roll it will have. So for me, when I, I use like my 52 degree or my gap wedge as a nice um, middle ground. So for every part I hit that in the air, it usually rolls out the same part. So the ratio of air time to roll time is about a one-to-one -one ratio. So if my, my middle ground where I want to land that ball is in a good spot, I'll go right to the gap wedge and hit that shot there. If I need to let it roll a little more, then I start going up into a pitching wedge or a nine iron. But really the shot itself is the same. All I'm doing is changing the tool that I'm using, which then affects where I'm going to land the ball. And then from there, it's just it's pretty much execution. John, you taught me something because when I was looking at, at your videos, one of the things that I have typically kept constant is my grip. No matter where I am on the course, no matter what a shot I'm hitting, my mm -hmm. grip is pretty much consistently the same. But you actually talk about weakening your grip, your, um, your WWF sort of setup. Right. Talk, yeah, talk yeah, about how to, how do you, how do you change, you know, like when do I change my grip and why would I change it? I like a great point, but I love to have my, my top hand be a little weaker when I'm hitting, a, especially a softer shot. It doesn't really allow me again, going back to what I said before, letting that club turn over. I see so many amateurs that club will release that toe will turn over, turn over, and then it digs. We don't want to have that digging. We want it to kind of just skip off the ground. So I feel like the back of my hand is going the same direction as the face is going or as the ball wants to go. So if I could swing through and almost just let the back of my hand continue on towards my target, I'm pretty accurate that way. So I would certainly think anyone who's out there is, is struggling with missing maybe left and right or, or low and left, weaken that top hand a little bit. Let the back of the wrist or the back of your hand just kind of follow through to the target a little bit longer than normal, and you'll see a totally different shot come out. So now that I mentioned WWF, you got to explain what that is. <laughs> you must have saw my Ric Flair video, I guess. I did. So, so yeah, it goes to it goes to wrist. It goes to the, the way we're swinging the club, and then that that um, the the F is just the, the the way we're bottoming out. We're kind of letting it skip, letting it flop off the ground and push through. You know, it goes back to that first lesson I was speaking of, where controlling the club face. You know, our hands are like the steering wheel here. You know, we don't want to really get the hands turn over so much. It's very quiet through. If you watch all the great shippers, soft, quiet hands through the hitting area, club do the work for you. 
Don't try and manipulate. Don't try to open it up and close it down and do all sorts of shots like that. Keep it simple. Pick out your target and hit it there. And you'll see that as you become better with your short game, Chris, the rest of your game is going to lose stress as well. Think about, you know, being in the fairway, hitting, having to hit an approach shot. You have a great short game. Boy, that green looks really big. And if you happen to miss it, okay, I'll get it up and down from here. But, man, if you're struggling with your short game, that green looks like a countertop. And it just <laughs> kind of right. spreads from there. John, I want to get your thoughts. You talk about your course opening back up. And uh, we got we had some live golf for the first time in what feels like forever on Sunday with the Skins game. What would you think about what you saw? I thought it was just awesome. And, you know, people were – there were some people on Twitter who were, you know, giving it, some, giving it a hard time, you know, commentary, you know. Do you realize we haven't had live sports in so long? I think you and I would have great ratings going out and playing golf. It's just—it's <laughs> the fact that you can go out there and just watch these guys in their element, great athletes, hitting fun shots, having a great time, I might add, um, raising money for an unbelievable cause, but just real sports, real golf in its element, in their element at, at an unbelievable golf course. <laughs> I mean – those of us in the golf business know how great Seminole is. Wow. I, I've heard from people that aren't in the golf business. We don't even watch golf. Like, wow, that place is pretty cool. So we kind of pull the curtain back on Seminole. And, and I think also pull the curtain back on, on how these athletes, how good they are. And also just a little bit about their personality, which was great. So I, I thought it was awesome. I'm looking forward to the next one at Medalist coming up with, uh, with Tiger and Peyton and Phil and Tom. I think that'll be great too. I think uh, those guys might be a little more charismatic, I think, than the four we saw this weekend. But still, here's an opportunity for golf to be center stage. And anytime we can get people looking at the game and, and watching golf, it's a positive for us. What do you think about the shorts? When, when, when can we get the PGA Tour wearing shorts? <laughs> I, listen, I, I'm old-fashioned. I'm always in pants. I also have horrible-looking legs. So <laughs> I didn't mind that. I thought, you know what, these guys are playing in shorts. They're younger than I am. But you know what? Let's let's be a little more laid back. Let these guys have fun. And then again, it appeals to more of the masses. I'm not gonna turn off golf or, or anything because their guys are wearing shorts instead of pants. Have a good time. So what are your expectations for the rest of uh the PGA tour and LPGA tour seasons? What do you expect to see? How do you expect it to go? Man, I think it's, you know, we, we saw that the LPGA pushed back another week. Yeah. Smartly, I believe. I think they're being very cautious, which is a good way to error, if you ask me. But I honestly, from a viewing perspective, I think it's going to be a home run. Again, golf could be the only thing out there right now. We're hearing that the NBA and the NHL seasons might not continue. Major League Baseball might be going to a half season. Boy, if we can get golf under the microscope, everyone watching, great for the game. You know, it's going to be a little weird seeing no fans, you know, the roars of the crowd, the, the waving after making a putt, but it's golf. It's 18 holes. It's, it's the best athletes in, uh, in the sport playing and competing. And again, only positive, I feel. So the fact that they're doing it in a safe manner and a responsible manner is great, but um, just get out there and, and play golf and it'll be really fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it. I can't keep watching John, go. old movies anymore. <laughs> I'm here. It's, 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 
just a couple more before I let you go, cousin. I, I want to get yeah. uh, a quick thought on the the new technology for this year, right? I mean, by now, typically we've all seen all the all the great new stuff that's come that uh, has come out uh, from the PGA merchandise show and all that sort of thing. But for so many of us, you know, we haven't had an opportunity to play golf at all at this point. So, is there any new technology that you've uh, that you've seen come out this year that you're excited about that maybe folks need to go get before they start playing? Yeah, so it's it's weird that we haven't had any sort of demo days or any sort of really time in the Northeast to play golf. So um, I'm going to say the Maverick Driver is fantastic. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, it's really great. You know, the Epic Flash was a fantastic driver, but the fact that they made it even better is mind-blowing. So I'm, I'll tell you what I feel is really, really cool, and that's the Odyssey putter with the triple track lines on the top. So I started playing with the triple track. So if you know what that is, that's the the, um, the red and the two blue lines on the golf ball that uh, Callaway makes. They did it on their chrome softballs. They started out on the ERC ball. So they've got these three lines. The middle line is thicker than the other two blue lines. Those lines are now on the top of the putter. So when you line up your ball, so you mark your ball and you're lining it up, now you've got this putter right behind it. It's like one complete it looks like an aircraft carrier. Like these line, it just sets up real well. And the fact that you can get up in front of a putt and you know that you're aimed right, all you have to worry about now is how hard to hit the ball. So you've taken one part of the equation and, and put a check mark next to it. Now it's just about how hard you have to hit it. And you, it's it's amazing. I really, it's like cheating. I hate to say it, but like, it's really a good job visually. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. So if you if if you have a chance. Uh, go try one, grab a sleeve of golf balls, take it out to your, your putting green at your club or at your home course and compare with what you have down the bank. I, I guarantee you, you're going to, if you're not making more putts, you're going to be a lot closer. So, and we all know, man, if we can make more putts. <laughs> John, before I let you go, let our listeners know, remind them about Alpine country club where you're at now. And then also about uh, the, the radio show that you do with Anita Mark. Yeah, sure. So thank you, Chris. Alpine, as I mentioned before, is in the northeast corner of New Jersey. It's in Bergen County. We're a stone's throw from the George Washington Bridge. It's a fantastic old filling house design uh, built in the late 1920s, 1928. Uh, Fantastic golf course, always in pristine condition. The greens are running at a 13 today, so that gives you a little bit of a... uh, Wow an idea of what they're like and uh they're not flat let's put it that way so i you become a really good putter at alpine let me tell you that but um <laughs> fantastic membership uh they're all excited to be playing golf right now and we're ready to go we're gonna start doing some skins games just get back into the a sense of normalcy at the club uh going back to that also is uh, now entering our third season on espn in new york myself and anita marks do a show called on the team uh saturday mornings so uh, we'll be doing it from our home the last few weeks, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to get back into the studio soon. But looking forward to that. And John, let our listeners know how they can follow you uh, on social media. Yeah, my my, uh, my Twitter handle is John Mascari, DGA. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well under the same name. So hit me up. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. I'm ha- happy to give you some tips if I can. Uh, I won't share all my videos, that's for sure, because I don't want to be uh, the laughing stock of Twitter. But uh, 
<laughs> it's, it's great to it's great to meet a lot of people, and it certainly uh, opened up a lot of doors. So I encourage you, if if you want to catch up and introduce yourself, I'd love to meet uh, meet you also. Thank you for giving me that opportunity, Chris. Absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for being patient tonight and coming on and uh, and sharing more of your stories and your insights. You're fantastic. I hope we get the opportunity to get get you back on the show again soon. Patience. I've got nothing going on. I'm really. I ate like half a sleeve of Oreos listening to Dr. Joe. And, uh, <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, the good thing is I'm listening to you and how you having these issues on the golf course. Maybe we really are related because I have the same issues. It's unbelievable. <laughs> no doubt. It runs in the oh, DNA, my, my friend. So it runs maybe we DNA, can help each other. Right. All right, man. Thank you, Chris. Uh, you're the best. Uh, be well, everybody. Stay safe, John. Take care, my friend. Uh, that's the great John Mascari, and and again John Mascari PGA on uh, on social media. He's he's a hoot, and he's uh, you know he's got great stuff. And that that video is uh, is priceless. I, I I ask you go out there and check out uh, check out the video. It's uh, from April fourth. You'll find it on his Twitter feed. It's absolutely fantastic. And if I can get the others, uh, I will be posting those as well. He's a he's a great guy and a great teacher. He also does a, a lot of great work with kids. He's a, a top U.S. kids instructor as well. So look him up if you need help with your game. If you've got your kids starting out in the game, he's, a, he's one of the very best. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Teeth. My uh, sincere thanks go out again to Owen Brown, Debbie O'Connell, Dr. Joe Parent, and my cousin John Mascari uh, for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. You can stream us on all kinds of podcasting sites. We're all over the net. Podcast.co, those folks have been fantastic to us, as have the folks over on Podbean. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, AudioBoomPlayer.fm. Like I say, if you've got a, a favorite podcasting site, you're going to probably find us on it. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We really appreciate the fact that you continue to make us a part of your golfing content until next week. Hit him straight, my friends.